wanted to talk to you guys about life tonight. And um, just all kind of in a roundabout way, the, um, the purpose of life, the spirit of life, what life is, or rather who life is. And um, it's going to be awesome. This is a subject that I've really been meditating on a lot lately. Uh, specifically one of the verses that we get to dive into in a, just a little bit. But um, I ask you guys just to prepare your hearts, really really receive what God speaks through me, through this, the scriptures that I've been studying. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that this can absolutely change your life. And so um, I'll just pray and we'll get started. So. God, thank you so much for this time that we have here together. Thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here in one place, God, to worship you, God, to uh, read your word, God, and just to fellowship with one another. God, I thank you that as we take this time now to look into your word, I thank you that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, I thank you that you fill us with joy, with peace, as we flow through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, we're talking about life. And I mentioned, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but life, I've noticed, is, uh, in in a sense, a way of resting in God. Life is rest in God. And we'll get to how that works in just a little bit, but I'm going to tell you a story and how I know this to be true. Um, When I moved here first to North Carolina, um, I was not under the impression that I would be a children's pastor here at Victory Church. I had no idea where life, where God, the Holy Spirit was leading me. And uh, I guess where I was in that season, he was leading me through Ashley, (laughs) that's why I ended up here in North Carolina, because she was from here. And so for years, I said I was coming here first for school, and she always gives me a hard time because, yes, I did indeed come here because Ashley lived here. So, Um, But I believe even in those sorts of things, God will speak to you in whatever stage of life you're in, right? And so in that moment, I was looking for a friend, a forever friend, and um, and that's, that's how I got here, right? forever friend all right um yeah forever friend right yeah that works okay um but anyway so I like I said I would tell people I came here for school right so I was going to school in the back of my mind I always knew that I would be in the ministry I didn't know what that looked like I knew I don't know how to make that happen I'd it doesn't feel right for me personally to like submit an application to school or to a church. I don't even know if that's a thing. But um, I didn't think that was right, so I didn't pursue anything in that way. So the best thing I knew to do is I'm about to get married. I need to have a job, a career. So I'm going to school. I'm going to Wake Tech. And uh, I apply to go to NC State. And the whole time, I'm just miserable. And I'll just be very blunt with you guys. I hated school. I did not like it at all. When your kids tell me that, oh, we're going back to school, like, I ask them, do you like school? Are you excited? No, I'm not excited. Well, that, I can totally relate because that was me. 
That was 100% me. I did not like going to school. I liked to learn. I just did not like the whole setup and the way we push our education on kids. I didn't agree with it. So that's, uh, that's also partially why I went to Rama right out of high school instead of your traditional college. Um, I guess that was like my cop-out sort of thing. But I knew I was supposed to go, so I'm not going to say it's a cop-out, because I knew I was supposed to go to Rama. Obviously, I'm here now, and that's kind of what has come as a result of that decision. So thank God for that. But the day I found out, it was a Sunday morning, Ashley was sitting beside me, I think it was right around here in the back, I got an email, and it says, hey, your application has been decided, like, click, log in, and so, like, in the middle of service, I think, like, announcements right after worship, I'm checking to see my application into state. It was for mechanical engineering, which is extremely competitive, and I got in, and so that was super exciting. I, like, already, I, like, text my parents immediately, and it's just really good news, and then also around that time, I think we were, me and Ashley were heading up our young adults here at Victory Church. We weren't on staff or anything like that, but just kind of leading uh, our get-togethers and stuff like that, and we were actually that same morning going to meet with Mira about how, like, it kind of wasn't for us at that time. It just wasn't, didn't feel right, and so we meet with Mira after service, I guess it was second service, and um, we kind of let her know and told her the good news, like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go to state, and then I can't even remember how the conversation went, but um, she's like, for the longest time I've been feeling one of you is going to be our children's pastor, and Rocky, I believe that it is you, and... I don't, I don't know what to think in that moment. Like, I just got accepted to state, and now I'm being offered a position at a church, and completely unexpected, but it was a very easy answer. I don't like school, so, you know, very, very, very easy decision for me personally. You, like, you know, you want to do the things like, oh, yeah, I'll pray about it, but it's Basically, once she asked me, it was like a done deal for me. And, and you guys would not believe, I had been so frustrated with school, and like Ashley can attest to, like, I was so overwhelmed, and I cried, and I like laughed all the way home after that meeting, because there was just like such a relief, like a release, like I had peace, I had joy, and that's, that's where I want to get to tonight, to show you guys that's, that's what life is, like to have rest in God, to trust him completely, even when you think you're doing your thing. I was going to school. I knew the things that I knew to do, but God still had a plan. I was still like serving here uh, on the worship team, and I knew like if that's all I'm going to do to serve God for the rest of my life, like that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to be great at it. But, and then obviously like God had plans for me to be here, and I'm very, very thankful. Pastor Mitch, thank you so much for allowing me to be on staff and for trusting me to be up here today. Mira, Joshua, everyone else on staff, Cameron, Isaiah, all you guys, y'all are my best friends now, so this has been very, very cool for me, and I'm so excited for the future. So, let's get right into it. We're talking about life and the purpose of life is where we're going to start. So, 
Let me tell you this story. Leo Tolstoy, you, some of you might know him, he's a Russian author, uh, three-time Nobel Prize nominee, but um, he was in search for a question, what's the purpose of life? He addressed it to many of his contemporaries, and no one gave him a satisfactory answer. One day, he met a peasant friend who, upon listening to the well-worn question, immediately replied, to serve God. Whereupon the Russian literary genius declared it to be the highest wisdom he had ever encountered. So, to serve God, who, who better to look to than Jesus, right? So if you could go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, and that is where we will start. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, and this is speaking of Jesus saying, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And we know Jesus himself said he did not come to serve. We're not to be served, but to serve, right? Matthew twenty twenty eight. And so now... Jesus was on the earth. He died, resurrected. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. But before he did that, he spoke to the disciples in John 20. You can turn there if you like, but we'll go back and forth here. John 20, verse 21 says, So Jesus said to them after he appeared to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So now we want to look at why, why was Jesus sent. You know, everyone can quote John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Following verse says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, life. Jesus came to give life. And then in John ten ten, the second portion of the verse says, I have come that you may have life. Right? So Jesus, his work as the Lamb of God was finished. Now it is up to us to take on that mantle and continue to bring life to our world, our worlds, our places of influence while he is at the right hand of the Father. And then when he comes back, that will all change, right? So Jesus said that when he left, someone would come the Holy Spirit, right? John 14. and verse 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And he goes on uh, in verse 16, he promises the Holy Spirit when he goes to the Father. So we... Have the whole, he's speaking to the disciples, but we also have the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? And so it was obviously fulfilled. We read throughout the book of Acts that the disciples, without a doubt, had the Spirit of God on the inside of them, and he worked mightily through them, right? We can see that if y'all want to turn to, and we're going to go, we'll go back here a little later, but in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, Peter, he truly understood 
what it meant to have that power, that spirit on the inside of him. Because he opens up this entire epistle, he says in verse 2 and 3, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has been given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he says divine power. And so to better understand divine, you can have a good idea of what divine means, but I like to look things up in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It's really awesome because no Webster, he would uh, intermingle scripture with his definitions and give spiritual truths um, when he gave definitions of words. So I always like to go back to there. And he s- says divine definition as pertaining to the true God proceeding from God or God-like. So this suggests that the power has only one source, God. If we've been given this divine power, that means we literally have the power of God on the inside of us. We have the power of God on the inside of us. The God who created everything we see, can't see, need a microscope to see, need a telescope to see far away, Everything, seen and unseen, he created and he lives in us. That's amazing. I was like, it's, it's like wrapping up a bomb in, in paper, wrapping paper, and then expecting it to contain the explosion, right? God, the all-powerful being of the universe is on the inside of us. That's just amazing. Like, just to think about that, that is, I don't know about you guys, that really gets me excited. <laughs> but, um, so Peter, he, he says divine power. How fitting, right, that he would say that, because if you want to go with me to Acts chapter 5, we'll see one of these greater works that Peter um, demonstrated, that Jesus demonstrated through Peter, rather. And Acts chapter 5, we can start in verse 14. It says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, so that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. So, imagine you're Peter, you're in Raleigh, you're walking downtown, people know you're coming, they know you're downtown, and so they're bringing their sick relatives, people who are demon-possessed, that your shadow might just pass over you. And they knew, obviously, in verse 16, this was, this was a thing. Like, it happened, and there was success in it. Like, Peter just passing, pa- passing by people, and his shadow covers them as he's passing by, brought healing. There was power in his shadow. Like, 
Jesus, yeah, he, he spoke, and it's Jesus working through Peter, right? So Jesus is still the best. But in this case, right, Peter, he didn't speak to any of these people. The way it reads, it suggests that he just merely passed everyone. And just in his passing, people were healed. That's amazing. And so that same spirit that was in Peter, in the apostles, is in us. That is awesome. So here's the spirit of life, right? So let's talk about the spirit of life. The spirit of life is the Holy Spirit, right? Who is God, like Mira taught on Sunday. The spirit, Jesus, God, they're all three in one, all God, right? So the spirit of life, you can think also the Holy Spirit, they, they can be interchangeable. So the very first group of people to receive the spirit of God were the disciples. So if you want to go back to John chapter 20, and this is again where uh, I read verse 21, where he says, Peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, so I also send you. So now let's look at verse 22 and 23. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, I'll mention verse 23 a little bit later because we actually talked about this in the office um, maybe end of last week or earlier this week. So that's, that's a really interesting verse to say that we have the power to forgive and or to retain sin. That's, that's a big deal. But anyway, I want, I want to look at verse 22. So it, he breathed on them. And I'm really curious. I'd love to go back when we're in heaven and kind of find the tape where this was played. I don't know how heaven looks like. I imagine we'll be able to go and see everything that occurred in the Bible because wouldn't you guys want to see all the events we read about, right? So I'm going to go find tape, CD. I don't know what, what heaven will have, something really cool, I'm assuming. I'm going to go find it. I'm going to put it in the little player. I don't know how this works. But anyway, I want to watch this because I'm really curious. Did he just, did he breathe like really hard and it just filled the whole room or did he go like to each individual disciple? Like what, I don't know what that looked like. So just, I'm just kind of curious. But there's this idea that he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, right? So it occurred to me for the first time in reading this that it also, it parallels when God first created man, right? So in Genesis chapter 2, it says, when God formed man out of the dust of the earth, right? And then he breathed into man. He gave him his spirit, and the man became a living being, right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or the spirit, and man became a living being. And so when Jesus breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit, and that you could say that in this moment they were born again. And it also uh, foretells when, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and they were baptized then with the Holy Spirit. So it speaks of times past when man was created and then also in just 
40-ish days from then, or 10, however it is, 50 days from then, how they would be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, this breath, spirit of life, the verse that I've really been meditating on lately is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. So if you guys want to go with me to Romans chapter 8, and this is where you see the spirit of life and what it does to our mortal bodies, our physical bodies. So this word life, so let's start in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. So Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the spirit of life frees us from sin and death. If we go down to Romans chapter, Romans 8, verse 11. Actually, before we read that, so this word spirit of life, so spirit of life, it's its own word and it's derived from the word zoe. I'm sure many of you have heard the word zoe before and that's very briefly explained. It's the God kind of life, right? Um, it's the Greek word. I don't know if we have that up there. It's the Greek two 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 zoe, which means life or all life. Throughout the universe, it's derived and always and only comes and sustained by God's self-existent life. The Lord intimately shares his gift of life with people creating each in his image, which gives the capacity to know his eternal life. So Zoe. Now in Romans, in verse 11, says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also give life, some translations will say quicken, but it's to give life to your mortal bodies by his spirit that lives in you. So in this, in this verse, he says, who raised Christ from the dead, who also gives life. That is actually one word. It's give life. And that comes from the word, and I might not say it right, zoap oil, I believe maybe is how it's pronounced, but that is to make alive or to enliven. It is particularly used of God infusing his life in the believer. So again, we're looking at when God breathed into us, we now have his spirit, his DNA, literally on the inside of us, right? So y'all have heard Pastor Mitch's uh, analogy where he has a balloon, right? He blows the balloon up and he asks, what is inside the balloon? His breath, which contains his DNA, right? So when, say you, when you blow into a balloon, you are literally, part of you is literally inside of that balloon. In the same way, when God breathed in us, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we have God on the inside of us. So we have the divine power of life on the inside of us. So, man, like that's, that's just really cool. That gets me super excited. I don't know about you guys, but the power of life itself, we have the power of life. 
Like, life only comes from God, and we have that, and we've been given the ability to also give that life. So, let's talk about life specifically, right? So, what is life? Or rather, like I said um, earlier, who is life, right? So, John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, right? Later, a few chapters, in 14, verse 6, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? And then Paul says it again in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, when Christ, who is our life, right? So Jesus, life has a personality. Life is a person. Life, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all one, right? They are on the inside of us. So, back to this idea of rest. If Jesus is life, life is on the inside of us, what, what else could we possibly contribute? So, if Jesus is life, the ultimate power, the divine power, Jesus' life, like, how, what can you possibly add to life itself? The divine power of God, what can we possibly add to Jesus, right? So what do we do? As we started earlier, we rest. We rest in Jesus. So... If you guys heard of him, his name is uh, Watchman Nee. He's a great author, has some really good books out. The one that Joshua has turned me on to is Christ, the Sum of All Spiritual Things. And he has this amazing quote. I want to read it to you guys. It says, When we became a Christian, we were inclined to do everything ourselves. Does anyone find that to be true for their own life? So we come to Christianity it's like, oh, now I need, to, I need to get my life together now. I need to do all these things, right? But he says, later, in having seen the Lord to be our life, having that revelation that Jesus himself is our life, we know that all is of Christ and not of us. So consequently, we learn to rest and to look to him. So, Jesus gives us rest, right? That was his first call. That was his very first inclusive um, invitation, right? In Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come, come to me, all you who are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, we started by saying the purpose of life is to serve God, right? So we've gone all this way now, and we've said, but life is to rest in Him. Right? So do we rest, or do we serve God? Well, it's rest not so much in a physical sense, right? It's not that we just sit back and we say, okay, well, Jesus, now you just go do everything. Your life, you have all the power. You do your thing, right? It's not 
so much a physical rest where we just sit back and do everything. It's more of a, it's more of a trust. It's a knowing that he is going to take care of us, right? It says, or um, it's, it's a knowing that I can't do anything on my own and I have to fully rely on God. So out of this rest, like I was saying, being overwhelmed with school, right? And then I finally come to this moment, this decision, where I get to literally serve the church. I get to serve God and have this amazing opportunity to serve our kids. And this joy and this peace just overwhelms me, right? And that's exactly what it is. In Romans chapter 15 in the NLT, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there it is. Because we trust in God, we trust in Jesus, we are filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with peace. So say say you plan to uh, leave here tonight, go to a new restaurant, your friend invites you to go afterward, y'all are going to check out a new place and go and eat. When your friend, your friend's the one inviting you, right? So they know where it is, you don't know where it is, and you both decide, okay, we're going to drive separately. When you start to ask your friend, hey, can you tell me how to get there? Odds are, your friend's not going to try to explain the complicated, all the different roads to get there. He's going to say what? Follow, right? Just follow me, right? That's all it is. Like, friends, like, I don't want to explain all the directions, right? We're just going to go to this place. How about you just follow me? So, he says, follow me. Do you then proceed to ask him again? Hey, can you tell me the directions? Or like, do I just got to pull up on my own phone, pull up maps, right? Like, no, you're just going to go follow. It's like it's a very small level of trust, right? You trust your friend that he's able to get or she's able to get to the restaurant, and all you got to do is follow. There's no effort on your part other than driving, following, right? That's what that trust looks like. It's, there's no effort into it, right? You don't have to worry about, oh, are they making the right turn? Like, do I, do I still got to pull up maps to make sure that they're making all the right turns going the right way? Like, no, like, you, you have your trust. You trust your friend to get you to the place you need to be. And in the same way, that's how it works with the Holy Spirit. When we rest in him, he will lead us and guide us in the right directions, right? So this idea, going back to uh, the John 20, verse 31, I think it was, was it 23, when it says you can retain the sins of those or forgive them, right? So it goes back to this word in the commentary I found in, in the Barnes commentary of that verse that says it's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it is God alone who can forgive sin, right? Who forgives and retains sin. So he, by the Spirit, is entrusting us with the ability to be led by the Spirit of God to know when we should retain the sins or forgive sins, right? Right? And when I read it, it reminded me of 1 John in chapter 2 where it says we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things, right? In context of that chapter, 
John is talking about the Antichrist, knowing who is with and who is not with us, right? The Antichrist. So it is in that context, through the Holy Spirit, we are able to know whose sins we are to retain. And so that's just something cool. Throw that in for you guys. That was free. Um, But so it's this idea of being led by the Spirit. So it's also to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that brings us back to the word breathed. If you look at the word inspired, or even inspire, again in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says breathed in, inhaled, infused, informed or directed by the Holy Spirit. So, again, he breathed into us, right? We received the Holy Spirit, so and even now, as the Holy Spirit breathed through us, right, as he's working through us, leading us, in that same way, he's now directing our steps as we go through life, right? So, in Romans, back to Romans again, verse chapter 8, being led by the Spirit, in the Amplified, verse 9 says, however, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the Spirit. In the fact, the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does, ben- he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. Verse 14, For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So, in a whole big recap, the whole circle, right? We have the purpose of life is to serve God, right? When we saw that to serve God, we need to be led by God. That's the whole way that it goes. We know that life is resting in him. It brings us joy. It brings us peace. We always like to say to be led by the Spirit. And in other words, we can say be led by peace. Like what gives you peace That's what you follow. Follow the peace that is on the inside of you. And so, I have some things for you guys to put into practice. So, number one, pray and ask for a greater revelation in the knowledge of God. As we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that that divine power came through the knowledge of God. So, we can do things like, obviously, ask for more, uh, deeper knowledge of him, and also pray scripture, right? We have the Ephesians prayer, and that's absolutely perfect. Like, if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, for those of you who don't know, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying this over the Ephesians church, and he says, it's, it starts in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So you can pray this scripture, and it goes all the way down to about verse 21, I believe, and just pray that over your life. Insert yourself where he would say your understanding. So the eyes of my understanding be enlightened that I may know what is the hope of his calling that the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, right? You put your name in the scripture, and that's a great way to open your heart, open your spirit up to better understanding, getting a deeper revelation in the knowledge of him. Number two, 
read and meditate on the Word of God. To me, to say that I want to have a deeper relationship with God, to want to know Him more and not read His book, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm a very black and white person. If I want to know the author of the Bible, right, God is alone is the author. He had many writers, but he is the author. If, I'm, if I refuse to read his book, that doesn't really say that I want to know him. So meditate on scripture. Like I challenge you guys, Ephesians, I mean, sorry, Romans 8, 11, That is just what I've been sitting on for like the last three months. Like if, I, if I'm going to pull up scripture in my mind, I'm going to Romans 8, verse 11. Because this idea of life has just been, I don't know, dealing with me. Because I feel like that's, that's what people need. That's why we're sent. Like we are sent to give life to our world. And in a, such a dark world that we're in now, life is what's going to attract people. We have something to offer that the world doesn't have. And that's life, right? There's all these crazy things going on, like AIs becoming aware and stuff like that. But, like, that's so artificial. Like, there's no life in that. There can only be one place that life comes from, and that is God himself. And we have that on the inside of us, and we are able to give to those who don't have it, right? So, and third, just yield. Allow yourself to be used by God. And what that looks like, like we said, it's just trusting in him. When we trust him, he takes care of the rest. He just wants your yes. And I'll say this, when, when, we, when we ask God for the courage and the boldness to reach for people, to pray for people, when we hear the spirit on the inside of us that says, why, why don't you go pray for that person, whether that be for healing for whatever it is that they're going through, we need to learn to take the pressure off ourselves when we pray for people. We're not the ones that save, that heal, that deliver, right? It's God on the inside of us, but we have that life. We're able to freely give that life. And so I love what Tony Cook uh, told us last year. Um, And I don't have it word for word, but in a sense, this is what he said. If we take on the responsibility for when healing doesn't take place, we should also be prepared to take the credit when it does. One more time. If we take the responsibility for when healing doesn't take place, we should also be prepared to take the credit for when it does. Right? I don't know if that's... In a sense, that's what he said. And he's exactly right. It's, again, it's, it's nothing that we do that brings any deliverance, any healing, any peace. It is all the spirit that is on the inside of us. And so that's, that's all I got for you guys. I encourage you guys, find scripture, meditate on it. Ask for a deeper revelation of Jesus. And I promise you guys, it will take you to a whole another level. So, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the life that you freely gave. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave his life that we could gain 
life. So God, as we go from this place, I thank you for showing us ways that we could give of that life that's on the inside of us. Help us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus as we go into our spheres of influence, God. I thank you that you are giving us ways to minister to others. God, whether it be by a smile, a high five, a how are you doing, God, just show us ways that we can bring life to this lost and dying generation. God, thank you so much for your love, your great, amazing love, and for the life that you've so graciously given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.